Hello everyone and welcome to Awareness with Ashley. My name is Ashley Stewart and this is the podcast where I go over a quote that touches me in a certain way and talks about an aspect of chronic illness that I think is important for. So before I actually get into today's podcast, I actually have a pretty big announcement. So I have actually started a second YouTube channel now. It is where I'm going to be sharing actually poetry. I know, I never thought that I would ever say that. I know I've stressed that actually quite a bit in my videos and on my social media because for a long time, I don't think I would have ever considered poetry to be a way that I would creatively express. But right now, it actually seems like it's kind of sometimes the only way to express. The thing I love about poetry is there are essentially no rules. And because of that, you can get so creative with the process. I love the process of writing poetry itself, but the reason why I want to take this to video is because there's the creative aspect of the poem, but there's also the creative aspect of making it come alive with the video. For those of you who are interested in wanting to share that journey, you can actually find that channel. It's Poetry with Ashley on YouTube, and it's a brand new channel, so it's going to probably take a little bit to grow the inventory on there of different poems and I'm very, very new into writing poetry at all, so it's not like I have a backlog of poems that are just stashed away in a corner somewhere. With that all being said, I think we can actually jump into today's video and today's quote. So today's quote is, As twisted as it sounds, I was so happy that I received a diagnosis. This is by Bethany Stahl. When I found this when I was actually searching for quotes, this one hit immediately. I actually just found this one, I think yesterday. This brings up an important topic, particularly with not only the chronic illness aspect of a diagnosis, but it gets into the rare topic as well. So I'm gonna be able to talk a little bit more about IIH in this particular podcast. Although this is a very short quote, it talks and hits on a lot of things that I haven't really ever had the chance to express properly. When I first got sick, I remember being so frustrated because doctors had no idea what was going on. I think I was tested for diabetes three times because I had all the symptoms, or at least all of the main symptoms. The biggest three were fatigue, going to the bathroom all the time to pee, and severe thirst as my hydration equilibrium was off. So what was happening, or I think what was happening, don't quote me on this, I mean, I'm not a medical professional of any standard. What I think was happening was my body was producing so much spinal fluid that I was getting thirsty. And because I was taking in so much fluid and my body was trying to get rid of that extra fluid at the same time, it was causing me to have to go pee all the time. And it's not just the urgency that you get. It's not the same urgency that you get with a bladder infection. Not that I have much experience with that. I think I've only ever had one so far in my entire life. I'm very, very lucky. But it's not the same urgency where you have feel like you have to go pee and then you can't go. It's that urgency, but then you go as if you had a full bladder, or at least almost a full bladder in my case. It was just throwing everything off. This ended up being, I think, due to the extra fluid in my brain. I really do feel like that, and it would make sense. Once this was essentially corrected through medication, and then eventually, because my IIH is in remission now, I've never had a problem with this. Like, I have the same 
bathroom habits as I used to before I ever got sick now. And it's much relief when you're on a long road trip. And with Saskatchewan, particularly in the provinces in Canada, you can drive for hours and only be in the next door province because of how big it is. I remember getting my diagnosis with my doctor at the time and they were suspicious after and directly after the MRI results were in. I was called extremely fast too. It took some extra testing, but the relief to have answers and to know it wasn't in my head actually had me in tears from relief alone. When I was dealing with the diagnosis process, I knew that it wasn't in my head a lot earlier than the point that I knew that my diagnosis was actually confirmed. So I've shared my diagnosis story in very old videos at this point because I was almost exclusively talking about IIH at the time. I had the MRI about a month and a half before all of the other tests would fully confirm that it was actually idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So because of that, it was a relief but the full relief didn't come until that actual final diagnosis. It was nice to know though, for sure that it wasn't in my head a month and a half earlier than what it could have been, but there was a long period of time where it's just like, well, we think we know what's going on, but until we have these particular results, we're not able to say 100% for sure. And because of that, they weren't able to start treating me either. I really wish that if you had certain things on your MRI, that they could at least start the treatment process for it and then if it helps then you're at least having a bit better of a chance to save the vision if it's something that's progressing really fast i feel like i was fairly lucky that it's not like it was instantaneously a threat to my vision but i don't know it just seems like if they had a suspicion of it there was basically those findings on the mri i just wish that they wouldn't have waited so much longer. No, I'm thankful that it turned out the way it should have in the end, but I wonder if there would be a little bit more anger towards that had they had a suspicion and then not treated it in time or, you know, I lost vision because of it, basically. I don't think I've had any effect on my vision. The only thing that I think did happen was migraines as a result, and I don't know if that would have changed had the treatment been started earlier. I really, I have no idea because I'm not even really able to prove that one, basically IIH is what led to the migraines, but I'm just suspicious because I never had severe headaches or migraines before dealing with the IIH. And that's essentially what happened. Now, your brain always tries to look for cause and effect basically, and you try to, explain why you're in a particular certain situation, I guess. But it's really sus suspicious to me and how quickly it seemed to go from nothing to like chronic migraine really fast. I don't know. I of course don't have experience with anyone else who's had that happen to them. So I don't know like what they usually would have for like episodic to chronic migraine, but it certainly seems like it was a lot faster than what it should have been. I was just happy to have answers and to know that I wasn't making it up because in May of that same year, I was starting to wonder, am I just doing this because I'm completely stressed out about being done school and moving on to the next chapter of my life, whatever that might be? But it was just nice to know that it was actually a medical thing going on and wasn't anything to do with anything else, basically. 
I think there was a component because my physical health was so rough at the time that it was affecting my mental health because those two were interconnected basically. And beyond that, it was nice to know that there was a physical reason for what was going on. Some conditions, especially those that are rare, take a long time to diagnose as doctors rule out the most common reasons for the symptoms first. For me, IIH symptoms started in January of 2018. About the end of January, most of the IIH symptoms probably were more February, but I say possibly January. It could have been as early as January of 2018. I would not have a suspected diagnosis until mid-July of 2018, and it would take until the start of September to confirm it. The first few months, I was especially frustrated as I kept feeling worse, but nothing was being done. So those first few months, it was a lot of going back to doctors and sometimes I wonder if it was the fact that I was in school and I was seeing a different doctor every single time. It was so frustrating and then be told, oh, we think you're just a stressed out university student at this point. I wish you guys could see the look on my face right now. I still get mad at that. I don't even have the words at this point to explain how angry and upset having that in the back of my head still is. When I was going through that, I would say that was the most one of the most frustrated I had been in my entire life because it was one of the heaviest semesters I also had in school too. I was I think I was taking four biochemistry courses or maybe three and then another upper level biomedical science course and then I think I had an easy one with like an intro level nutrition or something like it was a class where I could kind of get away with not studying as much until the end when we did a certain topic that I had never really spent much time on in my other classes, because other than that, it was just intro biochemistry. That particular part was frustrating because I was dealing with the stress of having that load in school. But then because I was going through <laughs> these frustrations of, I feel horrible, why does it feel like nobody cares, is also frustrating and almost more frustrating and it just adds to the frustration basically and getting into this i think women especially have a rough time with this and being a student my symptoms were put down to stress the reason i kept on going back was because of the double vision i knew that wasn't stress but at the very start that symptom would come and go i can actually have double vision when i'm not sleeping very good it's the only time it happens now and it's um it's a muscle weakness in my eyes basically so because of that because it was coming and going and i was so exhausted and so fatigued i thought it was just lack of sleep so i had started mentioning it and you know that does make sense but then it got to the point where it was constant, like to the point I couldn't drive. And I didn't want to drive for the longest time because you might go down the wrong road if you're looking at the one that is not what is actually in front of you, basically. I knew that that double vision, the constantness of it was not normal. The double vision, because it was a little bit hit and miss. But then once I started having the pulsing in my head, I knew something was wrong, along with the severe headaches, because I never, I, like I said in, earlier in the podcast, I didn't have headaches very often at all. I think the only time I would get headaches was with a, like, sinus infection or an upper respiratory infection that would clog my sinuses. And then the pressure, which is very similar to the feelings that you get when your IIH is really bad too, it's just you have the congestion as well, but that pressure is what it feels like, but it's everywhere. Like it's not just up in here, for those of you obviously watching this, you won't be able to see where I'm pointing, but it's like right in here usually when I have the sinus 
stuff. But with IIH, it's all it's all over your head. And actually, I don't know if this will make some of you feel better or not, but with IIH specifically, it was the crown of my head. So it was back here, actually. It felt like I had a sore spot for the longest time because of that particular thing. So once some of those other symptoms started that haven't returned again since getting my IIH into remission, it's been a lot better because you know, you kind of know what to look for in that case, but you know that that is in stress when those other symptoms start occurring. I do have to admit that I was glad that I didn't know anything about what was going on and what changes were coming until actually being diagnosed though. The internet makes IIH sound so easy to manage and to treat. It's not as straightforward as you think when you look it up. If you do a quick search on Google particularly, makes it sound like it is extremely easy to get rid of. There seems to be lasting changes no matter what. I just wish people understood that it's a lot more than a few sentences can explain. So I feel like I've had probably one of the most classic forms of IIH in my particular age group and have lost weight and kept it off and have kind of proven that to a lot of an extent that I'm very lucky that I kind of have followed the book in that case, if you have a book on IIH, basically. It's a rare condition, so a lot of it is an unknown, basically. But if you were to have a classic example of IIH, I'd probably fit that definition, and particularly with where I've gone with achieving remission as well. I think people do get the wrong impression <laughs> about how easy life actually really is, and how easy it is to treat and all of that stuff. So, you know, like I said, just check out some of my other videos on it. And as easy as it is to say, oh, weight loss will get rid of this, it's another story to actually not only successfully achieve that weight loss in the period of time that you do, but like I have always said, weight loss itself is just the start of a very long and never-ending journey. I actually feel like weight loss is its own example of how awakening is. Like your actual initial awakening, just like your actual initial weight loss, seems like it's the ultimate goal at the start, but really it's just the start of something even bigger. People think weight loss is their end destination, it is not. It's just the beginning of the next big thing, basically. And beyond that, it's kind of hard to explain. And people don't really talk about that after weight loss aspect and all of that. If you guys are wanting more about more so maintenance of weight, I can share that with you guys. But it is very hard to share. But let me know in the comments and I can try my best. People underestimate how much of a difference and how much of a change it makes to your life, even when remission is achieved. And I think that really is hammered home when you end up with a migraine type situation afterwards. Getting into this migraine topic now, the migraine diagnosis has been a bit harder to deal with mentally compared to how I felt about IIH initially. I actually looked up IIH when I found out that that was my diagnosis. I, I, I did kind of look it up at the start when it was suggested, but I didn't spend a whole bunch of time on it until it was definitively diagnosed. And even I made the mistake of saying, and I remember thinking this while reading, 
oh, well, this should be fairly easy. I've wanted to lose the weight I gained in school. That should get rid of it. The universe was like, nice try, basically, because I ended up with a migraine diagnosis afterwards. Migraine treatment is not quite as straightforward, and because you have to try so many medications and it can progress to chronic migraines, which it did for me, I just wanted that normal life back. And because of that, because of how migraines are and finding a treatment isn't so straightforward, you basically start out with more common medications that are technically not specifically for migraines. And then you move into the more expensive stuff. And then you end up like me and on a needle that is extremely expensive because nothing else worked or you have contraindications for taking some of the other things. Because of that, it isn't really a normal life anymore. I was also concerned that because my symptoms were not really changing and it felt like they weren't any different, that it was actually IIH and the medication wasn't really working the acetazolamide at the time. Now I have certain symptoms that I watch out for, and I've talked about those already, such as the pulsing and double vision specifically. So any of the symptoms that have disappeared and not come back since I've achieved remission, those are the symptoms that I watch out for. And I don't ever have them during a migraine. Although I sometimes feel like I have sometimes had the pulsing in my head when a migraine is really severe, but it's really hard to remember when that was the last time because my migraines are so well controlled with the preventative that I'm on now. I'm so, so lucky. Not only am I so lucky to have had that medication that continues to work and hasn't stopped working, I feel like knocking on some wood, but I don't have any around me right now, but that I have the ability to work and have benefits that makes it affordable for me. Here's the sad part about that whole situation. I was having to pay out of pocket for a while to achieve that particular step. So I was lucky to be in a situation at the time that I had help to be able to do that, to get to the point where I am now, where I have benefits and can work. Like it is the stupidest feedback cycle ever in my life. So like without benefits, can't afford the medication that allows me to work. But if I can't work, I can't work enough hours to get the benefit benefits that allow me to afford the medication to make it affordable so that it can work. It's like the stupidest thing ever. And it, you think if something allows you to be productive in society, that it would be a lot more accessible. But unfortunately, I don't know what it is, if it's the stigma with migraines, if it's people don't understand how much of an impact migraines has. I just don't understand why these aren't accessible. And if you're able to prove that this thing is what allows me to contribute to society basically and oh yeah now that you're doing better we don't acknowledge the fact that it's your medication that allows you to do all this because you look fine you look normal so like why do you need that expensive medication it is the stupidest expectations it's the dumbest thing it's like when you look normal and are having somewhat of a normal life and a family member goes well you're faking it the whole time obviously no you're seeing the outcome of all of the work that has gone into making this outcome be visible, basically. Sorry for the rant, but that's how I feel about the situation. It is so frustrating because it's like those people in your life that had constant doubts about whether you were sick or not in the first place. And now that you're able to do all these things or be able to do the things that you want to do now without having to cancel at all, that 
you're no longer sick or were never to start with. And no, it's just that you're seeing the outcome of all of these months of work. I think when it comes to the whole journey with rare chronic illnesses, that the journey to diagnosis can feel like a whole new chapter on its own. It's exhausting, frustrating, and you just wanna know what is going on. Then, depending on the diagnosis, the next phase can feel just as daunting of a mountain to climb. So I wanted to like kind of emphasize how you see some of those pictures where like a mountain has multiple peaks, but like one of the peak is like lower than the other. For those of you not on the podcast, I'm gonna do my best to try and describe this. So like you go up uh, the side of a mountain and then it peaks, you come back down, you kind of feel like, oh, maybe I've reached the worst, kind of gotten over the worst part of this. And all of a sudden it shoots right back up again. And that's how it feels like when you're going through a chronic illness diagnosis and particularly some of these more rare disease diagnoses where the climb can be really, really long at the start. And then that diagnosis again is just the initial part of the whole story or the whole journey. And it's just the beginning basically. The diagnosis itself can be quite freeing because you feel like you're not making things up. It's not just in your head. It's not being made up in order to avoid something or all of that or whatever reason that your brain may be coming up with as to why this is happening and no science or objective tests can figure it out. I just want you to know that I think those of us with IIH go through this at some point unless it just happened that you have a routine scan or a routine checkup with an optometrist or something and they find the swelling in your eyes and it goes from there. It was just nice to receive a diagnosis. It really was. It was validating, I guess, in the moment. Maybe validation is the right word to use when it comes to how it felt being told that I wasn't making this up. So with that being said, I think that is where I'm going to end this particular podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. I know this one was quite freeing for me to talk about. I haven't thought a lot of some of these things in this particular part of this in a very long time, actually. I actually tried to bury a lot of this frustration, particularly when it came to this part of my diagnosis. It was a really, really rough time emotionally, mentally, physically, all of the possible ways that you can even think of. And like I said, it was just a relief to receive a diagnosis that wasn't, oh, it's just in your head or there's nothing we can find, so there's nothing we can do. Be sure to follow me across social media. You can find me on YouTube at Ashley Stewart. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Awareness with Ashley. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Stewart94. Also, referred called X these days. And you wanna go a little bit deeper and you wanna be able to support the costs of the channel, you can get access to these videos in full video form. So it'd be like a video podcast on my Locals page, that's ashleystuart.locals.com. And it just allows me to be able to put out better videos and there are some costs to having the channel. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe and like this video. It just helps get it viewed by more people. And if you're listening to this on the podcast or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, be sure to subscribe and leave a review as it does help push the podcast up in recommendations so that 
more people can find it. If you guys have any questions or have suggestions for topics in the future, feel free to leave them in the comments down below. You can also find my email on my channel about section. And with that being said, I think that's everything that I want to cover for today. So thanks for joining me and I hope to see you guys in the next podcast. Bye everyone!